Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Go ahead and grab a seat. You may not know, but we have uh, 30 high school students and leaders at Hume Lake right now that are seeking God. And I thought maybe before I uh, give the message this morning, why don't we pray? I think we might even have uh, some names on the screen. Do we have, do we have that slide? Yeah, I don't know if you can see those names, but I would love for you right here, right now, to pick a name on that screen, and and let's just let's just say a prayer. Let me lead us in a prayer. But pick a name, Father God, Holy Spirit, Jesus. Right here, right now, it's Sunday morning, and we have our young people at camp. And my prayer, our prayer, our corporate prayer is that each one would be seeking the Lord and experiencing that this is the living God. You are the God who will never fail them. I pray today, even this morning, that uh, students would take that step of faith and put their trust in God as Savior, as Lord, as forever friend. God, I pray that right now the Holy Spirit would fill that Hume Lake camp and that you would draw our high school students and leaders to yourself in fresh, authentic, life-giving and life-changing transformational ways. That we'd look back even on this weekend and go, that, that, that was the weekend when Jesus became real. That was the weekend that I decided to trust him and follow him wholeheartedly. May it be so. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thanks for being here this morning. We are in this series in Acts chapter 2. If you have a Bible, I'm going to invite you to open it to Acts 2. We're looking at verses 42 through 47. 42 through 47. Today we're looking at one word. We're spending the next several weeks. Thanks again to Mike McKinnis, who gave us a great word. He started the series last week. That was such a great word last week. God really spoke to my heart, gave me some encouragement last week from that message. And uh, let me read this for us, Acts 2, 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And then it goes on. It says, a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers, they met together in one place. They shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, and then they shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And all the while praising God and enjoying the good will of all 
the people. And each day the Lord added to their number, to their fellowship, those who were being saved. All the believers, what did they do? It says all the believers devoted themselves. So just stop there. Let's not even look at what they devoted themselves to. Let me just start by asking you, what are you devoted to? What is it in your life today that you would say, I've devoted myself to, and you fill in the blank. Right now, right in your heart, what am I devoted to? And then, and then, and why? And why? And I'll bet you we would fill that blank in with so many good things. Many of us would say, devoted to my kids. Devoted to my raiders. I don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> devoted to exercise, to the gym. I'm running this Tokyo Marathon March. So I'm devoted to running right now. I ran 16 miles yesterday. That's, that's devotion. That's devotion. But think about devoted to your family, to your marriage, to your career. Some of you are you're, you're, you're devoted. Now, I'll just say there's, there's a difference between being devoted and dabbling. I dabble in golf, don't I, Larry? <laughs> I'm not devoted. I dabble. I, I, I dabble in yoga a little bit. I dabble in the stock market. A little. I'm not devoted. So what, what's the difference between dabbling in your spiritual life, dabbling in your relationship with God, dabbling and being devoted? Now, full disclosure, my prayer uh, for this morning is, uh, this is what I, I truly believe. This, I was been praying, God, this can feel like such a self-serving sermon. Like, okay, you got to be more committed to church, right? Um, because that's the word we're looking at. They devoted themselves, it says, to the apostles' teaching, which was those early disciples who wrote letters and who wrote the word of God, and they were devoted to the Old Testament. God's word, they were devoted to the word of God. And then it says they're devoted to fellowship. So I want to talk, I just kind of looked up in the dictionary and several different, what's it mean to be devoted? It means to be committed, to remain constant. To be devoted to something means you care about it a lot and are very enthusiastic about it. It's to give your time and effort completely to something or someone you believe in. When you are devoted to something, I thought this was interesting, you begin orienting your activities around it or them. In the early church, those early Jesus followers, in the book of Acts, right here, it says they devoted themselves to fellowship. Now, the, the word for fellowship is a word many of you are familiar with, koinonia. Koinonia, 
Koinonia, koinonia. Did you know that koinonia was the winning word in the 2018 Scripps National Spelling Bee? Koinonia, that Greek word. That was the winning word. Now just think about, it's, so, it's kind of like, so what? If you understand the meaning or you know how to spell this word, it does, if it doesn't make a difference in your life. And so let me just have us think about this word, being devoted to fellowship. Well, I've been told my whole life or my whole Christian life, hey, fellowship's not talking about the Dodgers and it's not talking about the stock market and it's not talking about your golf game. It's talking about things that matter. It's talking, it's talking about your spiritual life. It's having spiritual conversations and meaningful conversations with people. That's what koinonia is. And so I thought, I think that's what it is, but I better do a word study on it. And I have to tell you that... Uh, Really interesting. I'm going to read for you some of the, the language that, that a whole bunch of different scholars, I just jotted them down. But I will say that the one word connected to koinonia or fellowship, devoted to this, here's the one word connected to fellowship. It's the word participation. Didn't know that before today. Participation. So, koinonia is the participation in the mission of Jesus. Loving and living and sharing. It's this common sharing. It's, it's the contribution to the community of faith, your contribution. It's the sharing of our lives, sharing in common. Uh, many of you know the scholar, in fact, uh, uh, Mike quoted him last week, Tom Wright, N.T. Wright. This is what he, he says. He says, one of the purposes of the church is to encourage one another, to build one another up in faith, to pray with and for one another, to learn from one another and teach one another and to set one another examples to follow, challenges to take up, and urgent tasks to perform. This is all part of what is known Loosely as, say it, fellowship. It's fellowship. It's, it's making room to participate in this one another life that the New Testament describes. The one another life. Love one another. Forgive one another. Encourage one another. Honor one another. Participating. Being devoted to a community. It's, it's more than dabbling. If you want to have it transform your life, if you want to have a community or a church transform your life, you got to do more than dabble. You have to, you have to lean in. Or Chrissy uh, Velasquez, we were running yesterday, and she says, I think you have to just keep choosing. It's not, not like you just choose once. I have to choose day by day, week by week, year by year. I, I continue to choose to lean into the community. I, I continue to choose to be devoted to this fellowship. John Eldridge, another author that I read, I kind of, 
full disclosure, kind of have a love-hate relationship with his books. I either love them or I'm like, eh, I know, that kind of bugged me. I didn't like it. But here, <laughs> are we allowed to do that and say that? <laughs> All right, listen to this quote. Listen to this quote. He says this, church is not a building. Church is not an event that takes place on Sundays. When scripture talks about church, it means community. The little fellowships of the heart that are outposts of the kingdom, a shared life. They worship together, eat together, pray for one another, go on quests together. They hang out together in each other's homes. A true, listen to this, a true community is something you'll have to fight for. I'm going to say that again. A true community is something that you will have to fight for. You'll have to fight to get one, and you'll have to fight to keep it afloat. And I just honor and, and say thank you to those of you that have fought for this community. Those of you that had many reasons to leave could have, could have rationalized it and said, no, I'm out. But you stayed. You fought for it. You continue to fight for it. And you also received blessings. Many of you have found your best friends in life in this church because you have fought for it. You continue to show up. You continue not to dabble, but to devote yourself. And... What I want to do is just share three little reflections on, on, on how do I participate in authentic community, fellowship, koinonia. How do I do it? Three little, little phrases. Practice hospitality is the first one. Hospitality has to do with making room in your life, in your heart, in your home, in your schedule for others. Making room. Now, even as I say that, I know some of you here are flooded. You're overcommitted. You're already living it. And you know if you're, I'm not here to, lay, guilt, guilt does not motivate anybody. I can guilt you this morning and you'll, you'll go out and you'll do it once and then you'll go, you know, be, the, be a kind of a grumpy Christian. I, I, I think what this picture of Acts chapter 2 is, is it's compelling us to go, look at the dream that God has for his people. Look at the dream. And the way it happens is not by them, but by me. I'm part of the community. I, I ask myself and I ask our staff and I ask our board this question. If everybody lived the vision lived it out the way you're living it out, would we be a healthy community? Would we be a healthy church? Would we be a fully funded church? Would we be a warm and hospitable church? Would we be a church that's known in the community for sacrificing? For, would, we, would we be known as a bitter church or a forgiving church based on the way you, the way I am living my life? That's the litmus test. It's easy to kind of look around and go, well, uh, nobody's practicing hospitality with me. H how about you invite somebody over to your apartment, to your studio, to lunch, to your house, 
Invite them after lunch. Let me tell you a quick story about Anita. I met Anita many years ago. I said, how'd you get plugged into the church? Like, why'd you stay? And she said, my first Sunday, somebody invited me and my husband to go out to lunch. We were new in the community, our very first Sunday. They said, oh, that we just met out on the patio. And they went, what are you doing for lunch? We were like, well, this is our first time here. Let us treat you to lunch. Anita's husband ended up uh, becoming one of the key leaders in the church. But it was all, and Anita too, all because somebody practiced hospitality. Somebody lived beyond themselves. Somebody came to church and said, actually, I'm here for the sake of others. And so this idea of practicing koinonia, uh, it begins with me. It begins with you making room. It can't be us four and no more. But on the other hand, it can't be, geez, I mean, some of, I can't be everybody's best friend. Jono can't be, Casey can't be. So part of our job is to facilitate and create experiences that help you connect with people. So let me get to the the next one because it leads right into it. I think another way to participate, it's to pursue. It's not just practice hospitality. It's to pursue heartfelt, meaningful conversations and relationships. 1 John chapter 1, if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have koinonia. There's that word, fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus' son cleanses us from all sin. And this term here carries the thought of deep mutual sharing. What does that mean? Walking in the light. When I'm walking in the light, I'm not hiding in the shadows of the darkness of my sin, of deceit, of covering up my broke. I don't want you to see where I'm broken. I don't want you to think I have any struggles. And yet, If you want to experience authentic, true, real community, koinonia, fellowship, it's your brokenness. It's not your, look at my achievements and accomplishments. That might impress people, but it's our brokenness that opens us up to experience intimacy with others. And I love, I just love that idea as we think about even starting this new year. Where can you pursue meaningful, heartfelt relationships in this church? It's through life groups. It's through serving. It's through going on a retreat. These students that are saying yes to go to Hume Lake, I'll, I'll bet you that some of them come back. I hope all of them come back. Feeling like their friendships were forged or were strengthened, grew closer because they let others, they let each other in to their lives, right? That's how it happens. That's how it happens for teenagers, but that's how it happens for us. This idea, it's about to know and be known, to celebrate and be celebrated, to to, to love and feel loved, to support, to feel supported. Here's what Henry Nouwen writes. Nothing is sweet or easy about community. Community is a fellowship of people who do not hide their joys and sorrows, but they make them visible to each other as a gesture of hope. In community, we say, 
Life is full of gains and losses, joys and sorrows, ups and downs, but we do not have to live it alone. We want to drink our cup together and thus celebrate the truth that the wounds of our individual lives, which seem intolerable when lived alone, become sources of healing when we live them as part of a fellowship of mutual care. Doesn't that sound amazing? You know, our motto here is no perfect people allowed. Everybody loves that. Everybody, oh, I, lo I love that. You know what I love about Ocean Hills? No perfect people allowed. I love that. Well, let me tell you what no perfect people means. It means you will be hurt. It means you will experience disappointment. It means you will be stung or experience an ouch relationally. Someone's going to hurt your feelings. You're going to feel left out. I can tell you, I mean, we're, this church is 25 years old, and I wrote these words down. In 25 years here in this church, let alone others, I've been left out, lied to, screamed at, insulted, backstabbed. Shall I go on? And even as I say that, some of you might even be in that hurt right now. You're sitting here and I'm talking and you're like, ah, you speak, that's me. You've been hurt by the church. And if it's this church, I'm, I'm sorry. We're, we're not intending to hurt anybody. That's not why we exist. But it happens. That's why Eldridge says you got to fight for it. And you got to fight to keep it afloat. What does that mean? It means... I got to stay in it. As Chrissy said, I got to keep choosing to show up. I got to keep choosing to forgive, to bear with one another. I got to keep showing up. I got to keep choosing to love, to be generous, to serve, to lean in, to join a small group. Okay, that one didn't really, okay, I'm not out of here. I'm going to try another one. That's what we're talking about here. If you want to experience biblical koinonia, you got to keep fighting for it. You will be hurt. But what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if you choose to be the one that doesn't leave because you're hurt, but now you become the wounded healer. Henry Nowen talks about that as well. You know what it's like to walk out after church or to run out after church to your car because the patio out there can feel intimidating because you don't know many people and then you see this group of people that are all hanging out together and they got their friends and, and you're walking by. I, I, I can tell you this right now. If I wasn't the pastor of this church, Natalie and I were visiting this church today and we're sitting in the front row. Now, I don't know where we'd be. So we'd probably be sitting somewhere in the middle. But when we left, we would walk past the patio. This was, I just know myself. And I would beeline it to my car. 
I might stop for five seconds and, 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 and go, well, no, we should probably, and we'd go there and it'd be an awkward five seconds and I'd say, oh, let's just, let's give it a half a minute, honey. Let's give it a half a minute. And nobody knows us and nobody talked to us. And then we'd go to our car and we'd go, well, you know, I really love the music. And so we'd come back. And now it's week two. And we're, we, we love what's going on. We're going, you know, but we don't really know anyone. We'd, we'd walk out this door. We'd turn left just like all of you will. And we'd walk out of the patio and we don't really know anyone. Well, there's that one guy. I, I, I was in a business deal. I don't really know him though. So, yeah. so you stop. Some of you don't. Some of you might not ever stop, but I'd probably stop or I'd go to the connect table because that's where I'm supposed to go. I'd go, I'd, I'd go to the tent, the connect, connect tent. I'd go there and I'd grab, what, what do you got? Tell, give, give me a card. Give me something I can take with me. And I'd do that. Hey, thanks. And I'd go to my car. And I would just keep doing that. And some of you, that's what you've done. I meet people here. I go, God, I've never met you. Oh, yeah, I've been coming for 10 years. I sit in the, I've had people tell me, I sit in the back, we come late, we leave early. That's dabbling. <laughs> Did you hear me? Let's make 2024 different. You want to get to know people? You want to get, you have to pursue relationship. You're going to be hurt. You're going to walk out there and no one's going to say hi to you. And, and I know it. Nobody's looking for a friendly church. You're looking for friends. Me too. But I have to sacrifice. I have to stop. I have to take a risk. I have to initiate. I have to invite someone to lunch. Hey, this might sound a little weird, but I don't know anybody here. You want to go to lunch? Well, I don't know you. Well, okay, hey, how about, I'll tell you what, I'll treat you. Just go to lunch with me, you know. I mean, that's part of going the extra mile. All right, I'm running out of time. I, gotta, I'm... I love this Rick Warren quote. Fellowship is a place of grace where mistakes are not rubbed in, but rubbed out. Fellowship happens when mercy wins over justice. Isn't that good? Let's make this a place where mistakes, hurts, disappointments, they're not rubbed in. Well, you know, don't, don't send me the nasty email. I, I, I've had plenty in 25 years. How, how about rather than rubbing it in, oh, the church, rub it out. Be merciful. Be gracious. Help us get better. Lead by example. All right, last one. Last reflection is to partner, to partner with God's people and help out. Did you know? I, I didn't know this until I was reading this week. I love this verse, Philippians chapter 1. In all my prayers for all of you, this is the Apostle Paul, he says, I always pray with joy because of your, say the word, partnership in the gospel. I didn't know, but that word partnership is the word koinonia. It's the word koinonia. That, that somehow that early church that was devoted to koinonia, they were 
devoted to partnership, in it together, creating a, a new kind of healthy community that comes alongside and helps out. Where you find your fit, your role, your responsibility. What's your place here? Are you a consumer or are you part of the team? A couple of weeks ago, I took my wife to lunch at Empty Bull. You guys know that place in the public market? Love that place. We sat, not, not right in front, but on the side so, so we could see the back of the kitchen. And I want you to see what I saw. I think we have the video. I took a little video. I was so inspired. Notice what you notice. Here's what I saw. We were sitting there and I went, first of all, I said, who's that kid cooking? Man, he's, he's got the pans doing this, moving nonstop. I asked one, I, I go, how old is that guy, that chef? She goes, he's 19. And then she said, and his dad is the dishwasher. And then Natalie and I are watching and right in front of us is the prep guy. Doing, doing some prep stuff. And over here was somebody, they were looking at the, the tab and, and, and putting the food and this and that. And, and what was so amazing is nobody was complaining. <laughs> no, nobody was pointing fingers at others. They knew their role. And guess what? I was impressed with the 19-year-old the chef, but that guy, that guy can't do his job unless everybody else is doing their job. And guess what? Dad, who's doing the dishes, it needs to be done. It needs to be done. The gals that were at the front counter taking orders for the takeout, they're necessary and needed, right? The guy that's, that's doing the noodles over here and breaking, I'm like, I don't, I don't even know what he's doing, but he's needed. Somebody else was replenishing it, bringing in boxes and stacking the shelves. Now, imagine the church as a restaurant, as a kitchen. We need you. We need each other for the sake of others. They're not doing that just for themselves. They're creating an experience so you and I can go and enjoy a meal with our family or our friends, and they're doing everything they can to create a, an experience, an environment, so that others will be blessed and enjoy it. And yeah, they're making money, but they're not making money if people are going, man, this place sucks, right? And they're working together for the sake of others. Expressions of partnership. I know that you know that it's Martin Luther King weekend, and I wanted to close with a quote. 
I love this quote. You've heard it, but I'm going to remind us of it. He said this. He said, not everybody can be famous, but everybody can be great because greatness is determined by service. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to say yes today to service and to love and to being part of the koinonia, the community. We have a family pastor in our church who's pregnant. Have you noticed? Her name's Cozy. Cozy oversees our daddy-daughter event, which is in less than a month. And she asked me, and I said, oh, I'll get up on stage. I'm sure. So they, they need help. That, that, you know, she said college students, but I, I, I think there's some of us that are older than college students that can help. Here's what she said. I need help with the setup and decorations for the daddy-daughter event, and I need it for, it's on Friday, February 9th from 6 to 10 p.m. If you can do that, if you're like, ah, oh, I can help set up a daddy-daughter dance experience, I'm willing to show up on Friday night from 6 to 10 and help decorate. If you can do that, guess where I'm going to tell you to go? The tent, the connect tent, the connect tent, the connect tent, and just say, hey, sign me up. I want to do it. That's just one small way. There's a lot of other ways to be part of this church, but I hope I have not guilted you but inspired you to be in it together. Practice hospitality. Pursue meaningful conversations and relationships with each other. Right? Let's do that. Let's pray. I'm going to give you a moment of just silence to think about where are you in the kitchen in that video? Where are you contributing in the life of God's family? We call this a God family. Do you know your place? Where's your role? And if you don't have one, no shame. You're missing out. You're missing out. Maybe today you go to the tent and you say, help me find my place. Help me find my responsibility and my role to make this a church a healthy, flourishing, vibrant, life-giving fellowship community. Father, I'm, I'm just reminded that word participation. I know what it's like when I was a kid to sit on the bench of a sports team, to be, to be a backup, to not be a starter, to sit there and watch. And it wasn't very fun. And I just pray for the person here this morning that maybe feels that way in this God family. They feel like they're on the bench. They're not being used for your glory, for your mission. Today, I pray that that might might change, that a partnership would be created today, a yes. I want to be part of this church. I want to be part of this family. God, would you do something supernatural 
in our hearts this morning. Wow. <laughs> I guess you're moving. I don't know. What, what. I'm also just thinking of the person in the auditorium this morning that's been here for a while, but that's just sitting in bitterness and resentment, been hurt more than once, left out, maybe betrayed. I'm not sure. You know what it is, God. And that's just such an awful place to stay stuck. And so this morning, I, I pray for that person, for the courage to choose today to forgive. Choose to heal. Choose to believe the best. Choose to start over. Choose to start praying for healing. Choose to lean into this community and make us better. Jesus, you're the one who said we will find our lives when we lose our lives. When we give our lives away in service to others, that's when we will experience life to the fullest. And I pray that over each person in this room. I pray for rich, meaningful friendships for those that don't have them. I pray for those that aren't helping out, don't know their role, that you would show them their role and that it would be life-giving, something they're passionate about. And God, that you'd make us stronger and a lighter, a brighter light in this community for the sake of Jesus, for the glory of God.